Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, February 6, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. Now, whether you're a regular listener, doesn't matter, or just beginner, it doesn't matter. We have one goal here on the show, uh, and that is to make you a better investor, to help you achieve you know, what we describe as financial freedom. And again, I pointed out the last week or two, financial freedom is whatever you define it as, not what somebody else defines it as. Some people don't know what that means for themselves. Well, a good investment advisor will help them get to that point, to help them decide that, what it means to them. You just ask questions. You ask pointed questions. When do you want to retire? And, you know, at what age is your ideal time to stop working for a living? Or what is your definition of retirement? We need that too. What is the definition of retirement for you? Does that mean you're just going to stop working? You want to continue working? You want to do part-time? You want to do hobbies? What is it for you? And sometimes, you know, that's pretty difficult to answer because you don't give it a lot of thought and you really should as you get into your 50s. You really should start giving that some thought. Where do you want to be? So that's what we're going to do on this show. I have one goal on this show and that is to help you achieve your personal financial freedom, whatever that is. Everybody has a different definition of that, by the way. Okay, what's what happened in the market today? It was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, after you know, after the State of the Union message yesterday, markets on average are up, and today's market was not. It was down. Dow was down twenty-one. The Nasdaq down twenty-seven. The S&P down six. Those kind of stats don't really mean anything. You know, as to after each uh, State of the Union message, what does the market usually do? What does it really matter? It doesn't really matter. It's just an interesting stat. Now, trade negotiations between us and China seem to be moving in the right direction, right? Because Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin is going to Beijing early next week. He wouldn't be going there if it wasn't some kind of positive move in the right direction. A senior White House official and President Trump hasn't yet committed to meeting. Uh, a senior White House official said that President Trump, he's not, he hasn't committed to meeting with uh, Jinping, the Chinese leader. If there was a meeting between the two, if the two got together, that would probably signal a very close to the deal. They're very close. If they were going to have a meeting, that means, you know, most of the details have been worked out. So if you hear that a meeting is going to happen between them, that's what your assumption would be. Now, I assume, and I have been assuming up until recently, that if a deal got together with, if we got a deal, that will automatically mean the market will go up. Well, the market may be building that in already, or some of it in, with the big move up it had in January. It's hard to know. It depends on when it happens. So we might not get a very big boost, but it will be positive for the economy, and that should be positive for the market in the long run. It should be. 
And, you know, earnings season is winding down for the fourth quarter. It's been better than they expected. So that, you know, the S&P is up, what, 5% for the year? All that mostly in January and even this the, the last, first, first, first week here in, uh, in uh, February, up 5%. Because of the positive reaction in January, the IPO market's going to probably pick up in 2019. It slowed down because of the government shutdown, but they're probably going to pick up. So expect some IPOs coming out this year. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know any at the top of my head whether you know which ones are going to be, you know what they are and how great they'll be. But you know some of the IPOs, recent IPOs, have been pretty big. Remember Alibaba? I mean, that was huge. That the Chinese—that's the Chinese e-commerce online commerce company. I mean, it was came out twenty-one billion dollars first day. Within four days, it was twenty-five billion. Visa came out. You didn't know Visa was not a was a private company, not a public company. That was in two thousand eight. That was eighteen billion. These are huge. We, I don't I don't necessarily see one that big coming out here in the near future. It just don't doesn't feel like that, that we have. I don't you know, I haven't seen any of my reading that, that that's big. So we'll see. We'll see. There's always news coming out. There's always interesting news coming out every day. We get we got some interesting statistics uh, finally starting to come out. They're still behind. We had one that was delayed this week because of the shutdown. But a couple of them came out uh, came out uh, late but they came out finally. This week, so you know they'll, they'll. I think they'll catch up in a couple of weeks, and we'll finally get up to date. You know, uh, economic statistics. And as you can tell, there's a lot always of interesting market news that drives markets up and down, and just some of it's just interesting. I find it interesting, but of course, the first job here is to answer questions, your questions, and you call our anytime listener line, anytime you want. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The number is 99 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin, this is Giorgio calling from Houston. I love your show. Can you give me your opinion on the stock BGS? Thank you so much. I really love your show. Thank you. Okay, BGS is B&G Foods, company manufactures shelf-stable food products such as jellies and hot sauces sold in the United States. It is a $1.9 billion company, so it's a small cap. Um, they, um, they, the numbers look pretty healthy for this company, not fantastic, but pretty healthy. They're going to make a dollar 99, uh, toward 2018. We, they haven't reported yet. That's a little less than it was last year. Uh, the next year it's going to be $2 and, and three cents. So just up a couple of percent. They're growing three to 10% on their sales. The thing that is really nice is the dividend. They pay a 7.4% dividend to $25.72 stock. If they make $2 and they pay 7%, there's a $1.50. So that it's kind of hefty on the dividend, but it is doable. Their, their cash flow is $2.94. So it's a pretty healthy company. We own this in one of our managed accounts because we really like that dividend. The company is... Uh, is a healthy company. Uh, this would be around the price you would want to buy it, around 25 It fell from $30 recently down to twenty five seventy two today. 
And that seems to be where there's support. It's done that before and bounced off. So we'll see. It also has gone all the way down last May. It went all the way down to $21.50. But those are pretty low numbers for this company. They've always been in the 30s, high 20s and low 30s for years and years now. So they're kind of on the lower end of their range. Our main talking point today, proposed Senate legislation would limit stock buybacks if it passed. And it really could be bad for the market, limiting stock buybacks. So we'll look at that in a minute. Um, seniors are to be blamed, are blamed in some situation, for the housing shortage. Seniors. How is that possible? We'll talk about that. And did you see the details on Disney? You know, Disney's rolling out its digital plans. You know, everybody's trying to compete with Netflix, and this Disney is rolling out its its version of competing with Netflix. So we'll talk about that. And finally, did you see that uh, Tesla lowered the price on their Model Three cars? That's the second time this year. So how low is it? Model Three. Remember when he was going to get those down to about. $30,000, wasn't it? When that was supposed to be their Model 3 cost? Anybody who has a Model 3, I bet you paid a lot more than $30,000. So we're going to talk, discuss that. So those are what we want to talk about today. Um, the, you know, anything you want to talk about, as long as it's financial, we'll talk about. So you can ask any questions you want. Um... If any of the information discussed on today's program raises any further questions in your mind with regard to the market or your portfolio or your 401k, any kind of financial question, I really do encourage you to reach out to Justin or myself at KPP Financial. Send us an email. We'll answer your questions. You can also call our data point office if you want. You know, the number is, you know, you can easily reach us. There's never a problem reach us. Our anytime listener line number never closes. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and it's hard to believe, but we are already into February, and you're going to need unbiased investing advice. We've got it covered. Steve's here now taking your questions live. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Uh, Dave from San Leandro. Love your show. It's a great show. Just a couple quick questions. When you short a stock, is there a time limit when you're going to redeem it, uh, when you're going to buy to close? Also, is this a good time entry point for Amazon? What is your feeling on that? Thank you, sir. Okay, selling a stock short, there is no time limit. And what that means is when you're selling a stock short, just for everybody, is you're borrowing somebody else's stock and you're selling it in your portfolio. It's not your stock. You never owned it. You borrowed it from somebody. Your brokerage lets you do that, okay, by just the order you put in, sell short. And they'll go get the stock. They'll borrow somebody, put it in your portfolio, and then let you sell it. You sell it short, but remember, you've just borrowed that stock. You've got to give it back someday. You have to give it back. But there's no time limit when you have to. Now, there's a situation where you will be forced to buy it back, but that's kind of rare. And that's, you know, if the, your brokerage firm says you're you're losing too much money and you need to get out. It's kind of rare. Uh, Amazon. Um, 
They're going sideways right now. They have been for, oh, I would say for a month or two. No, not two. For about a month, they've been going sideways. I think they're consolidating. They've hit a lot of resistance right at their 200-day moving average, which is $1,720. They're at $1,640 right now. Um, but they hit that, came, bounced off a little bit a couple, three, four days ago. If you're asking me, this, is this a good buy point? You're going to have to be willing to pay up for Amazon. Amazon's a great company. You know, provides online retail services. You know, it's a big company. Does a lot of different things. They're going to make thirty-nine dollars and thirty-six cents a share next year. That's forty-four percent more than this year, of twenty-seven dollars and thirty-four cents. So, that's a really you know, very good earnings growth. But $40 a share in a $1,640 company, you know, that you're talking about not a cheap company. You know, so don't think that if you're going to buy it, that you're getting a bargain. I mean, that's a, what, a 40, 41 PE ratio? Now, just so you know, Amazon's PE ratio has never been below 65 in the last five years. So that's not expensive for Amazon. They keep growing 20% or more in their sales. They have a huge return on equity at 28%. They have a huge cash flow. So, you know, this is not a bad price to buy it. As long as you're a long-term holder, you get to work out. Amazon, A-M-Z-N is the symbol, everybody. A-M-Z-N. Here's an investing term for you. Exchange Traded Fund, ETF. What's an ETF? You've heard me use it lots, but you know what it is? An ETF is a marketable security that tracks a stock index, a commodity, a commodity of some kind, or a group of commodities, bonds, or any kind of basket of assets. Okay? That's what an ETF is. So most ETFs track stock indexes, as you know, and they trade like a stock. You buy and sell them intraday. Okay, but it is a type of a mutual fund, exchange traded fund. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I believe that every investor should determine should determine their own individual risk tolerance. You really should. And the first step to do that, the first step, is go to our website, investtalk.com, and answer the risk questionnaire. It will give you a risk tolerance number between zero and 100. 88 is, 80 is about the stock, uh, S&P 500, by the way. Vestalk.com is the risk allies questionnaire. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Alex in Newark. How are you doing, Alex? Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, got it. Uh, two questions. One. If I'm doing a systematic monthly purchase uh, into uh, Roth or the taxable account, doesn't matter, uh, is a mutual right. fund better or ETF? Question number two, if I do want to go with mutual fund, 
Can you recommend a mutual fund for large stock and medium stock that you like that is a good performer? Okay, uh, I prefer myself ETFs, but you got to remember ETFs are unmanaged. They are either an index or a group of stocks in the oil sector, or you know they they represent a country. It can represent you know just whatever it wants, but it's not a managed. No, I haven't seen it. There's only maybe one or two I think relatively new that are managed. Mutual funds usually are managed unless you're going to go into an index. If you're going to an index, the way to go is ETF because they're cheaper. They're cheaper. Okay, there's still so a cost. What, what, with, if I go ETF, what do you, what do you like uh, ETF and? Uh, Okay, I cannot. Okay, I cannot recommend. I cannot recommend things over the air. The SEC has rules that I I have to quote unquote know know my client. So I can answer a question, and I could send you. I have a group of dividend paying ETFs. I could send you, but I can't recommend them, and I can't like say, okay, buy this particular mutual fund or this particular ETF. This is a great one. I can't do that. That's, so, they won't let me so do that. So a, div, a, a dividend paying ETF would be a good uh, fix. But you know when you say ETF, some, some, I was reading an article. They say that if you buy it on a regular basis, like five hundred bucks or thousand bucks a month, ETF is going to cost mm-hmm. you more money on the long run. Is that a true statement or that that right up? Well, it's it's not necessarily true and it's not necessarily false it depends on what you for instance vanguard ETFs are very very low cost okay and if you're buying on a monthly basis are you are you required to are you paying a transaction fee in other words cost you ten dollars to make a trade or five dollars to make a trade if that's the case dollar cost averaging every time you buy something it's costing you a transaction fee and that could eat that could eat into you especially if you're not your transaction is only like a couple hundred dollars you know, that means that that transaction fee is kind of steep over a length period of time. So right. it depends. Uh, do is you Vanguard do pretty good performing uh, ETFs? Because uh, I was talking to a person and uh, he he says Vanguard uh, is not as good performing as some other ones that he indicated. Well, see, then I, I hate to tell you this, but that person is, probably doesn't know what they're talking about because most ETFs track indexes or a group of stocks. So, you know, it depends on how the index does or that group or that sector that you're investor in, investing in. And then it's a matter of, well, how much does it cost to buy it? So, you know, whether, you know, an S&P ETF and Vanguard or S&P ETF and Fidelity, both of them would do exactly the same performance. But the Fidelity is probably more costly than the Vanguard. So, you know, when someone says, well, the ETFs don't do as well as something else, well, I'm not buying that necessarily. Okay? Thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Alex, appreciate that. Let's go to John. Santa Cruz wants to talk about MAC. Who's MAC? Let's take a look. Oh, that's McRich. McRich? Yeah. How you doing, John? Good. How are you? Good. What do you want to talk about? Well, I wondered if the dividend, if you think it's safe, and if, if the current price of Maceridge is, uh, do you think it's a value at this price? Okay. Maceridge Company is a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that acquires and owns and develops regional and community shopping centers across the United States. Okay, so it's a REIT. And the definition of REIT, it's got to pay 90% of its earnings out in the form of a dividend, 
to avoid corporate income tax. So it has to pay 90% of, of its earnings. And next year, the earnings of this company is going to be $3.77. Okay, $3. Dollars, no, come on, Steve. 3.77 times 90%. Let's see what that equals. Um, okay, $3.39. Okay, so they make $3, they're going to make $3.77, and they're, they're 90% of, of, of they got to pay $3.33, and as a percentage of that, that is about 7 or 8% of the stock price. So yeah, their 6.7% dividend looks like it's, you know, they're covering it, okay? Uh-huh. Now the issue is they're not growing, they're not growing, they're kind of stagnant, their sales are kind of stagnant. And so has their earnings been stagnant for the last three years. So um, shopping centers, you have to decide, is shopping centers uh, a good investment? Because that's what they are. They are, they own and develop regional and community shopping centers across the U.S., I'm a little worried about that sector, John, because of Amazon. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Not yeah. meaning they're going to, they're not going out of business or anything. It's just, you know, a little concern. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Appreciate the call, John. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, unlike Amazon, Alphabet doesn't get a pass on spending. So does that make Alphabet, which is Google, a better investment? And that story is tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. The time is now. And if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity. InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. Twenty nineteen has certainly been interesting for investors so far. Steve and Justin encourage you to make InvestTalk a part of your daily routine. Their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio as you work and plan for your comfortable financial future. Now, the phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to James in Sonoma. He wants to talk about preferred stocks. First stocks act very much like bonds. How you doing, James? Well, I'm doing pretty good, and that actually uh, dovetails into part of my question. A, I want to know what you think about okay. this fund, as you can see. So it's stock, high dividend, doesn't doesn't cost very much as far as uh, as far as in, you know ETF fund what it is. It would go in my IRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are the same age. I just retired. Um, it would be something okay. I would leave there forever. Um, 
Okay. Uh, and I want, you, I want what you think about this fund and what you think about preferred stocks in general in this in this sort of market. And do you guys have any preferred stocks? We do not have preferred stocks. We don't. We don't have a program that that uh, d- designed for that. We we do have a program for bonds, and we have a program that has dividend-paying stocks and and bonds, combination of both. But we don't have anything with preferreds in them. And it's not because we're trying to avoid them. It's really not. Um, it's just that we have never decided to, uh, you know, I have never decided to build a portfolio around preferreds. There's absolutely nothing wrong with preferred stocks. There's nothing wrong with preferred ETF. And I'd rather see you take the ETF road or the mutual fund road buying preferreds because they do take, they took, you know, people, you can, anybody can buy anything, and but they don't do it with knowledge. You can, you can get hurt. You know, same thing with preferreds. You know, you just can't you can't ignore the underlying stocks. What is a preferred stock, everybody? It's just a stock of a company that uh, it, it doesn't act like a real stock because it, it, it is a kind of a hybrid bond stock issue. They pay a dividend. They pay a, a certain yield of a dividend, like 5% or 4%. And, and, you know, it's not just your normal stock and it's not a bond. It's kind of a hybrid between the two. Uh, they're not real popular because you don't hear a lot of people talking about them, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. But I'd rather see you do it in a ETF, James, simply because it does take some knowledge. Just like just like anything else, you can get ripped off. So uh, yes, I have no problem as an income. Would be then, is this is this counted as part? Of, would you count this your asset allocation as a stock or as a bond? I would count it more as a bond, not a stock. Okay. Okay. But even though there are, you know, it can go up and down in price. But it generally doesn't. It generally stays pretty stable. So I would count it more as a bond in your portfolio. James, right. appreciate the questions. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, what's our main talking point today? Well, uh, well, we have a proposal in front of Congress from uh, Sanders and Schumer to limit stock buybacks. Okay, so they want to limit companies buying back their stock. What what is their thinking in this? Well, their thinking is is you know buying back their stock. They're really helping a smaller group of people, which is the shareholders and the corporate executives, and they're not helping their employees. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so what do you want them to do with the money? The, do with their extra cash? Well, most companies would reinvest it in other, in in their own company building more factories or whether, or whatever or they'll buy back their stock or they'll do a combination of both and that's pretty normal well they don't like that buyback part they want you the company to uh, do something else with it they think that that Americans should be upset or outraged that the profitable corporations are laying off workers uh, and, and while spending billions on to boost their value of the stock by buying back their stock. That kind of upsets me when they say that because they're relating two things that are not related. Okay, the company is making money and profitable. It says they should, we, we should be outraged that these profitable corporations are laying off workers while spending billions of dollars to boost their stock value. So are you saying they should wait till the company's not profitable? And then they can lay off workers? Is that what you're saying? 
Well, by that time, it's too late. So the companies have to look forward. So laying off workers or not laying off workers has really nothing to do how much money they have or are making today. It's all about next year or the year after. They're looking forward. And I have a problem because I'm more of a free market type of guy having politicians telling me, you, and even companies what to do with our money. You already tax it. You know, now you want to tell us what to do with what we have left. And I have a problem with that from a philosophical point of view. Um, is, should stock, stock buybacks be changed or whatever? Well, isn't that up to the owners of the company? They own the company, the stockholders. What they do with the company profits, isn't that up to them? Okay, uh, you want if you want government to uh, control corporations, well, you need to go to like uh, China or Russia, <laughs> or how about North Korea? How well that how how well that that, co that country does with their companies? I, I, it's just uh, it just I just don't have the philosophically. Um, I think you should let you know the government do the government thing. You can tax the companies, tax them all you want within you know within reason until you destroy them. But to control what they actually do inside the company, I don't think that should be up to the government. I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k or your 453, 457, 403b, whatever you got. Um, and candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends, it's pretty difficult to know when you should get in or out or whether you should just continue buying, what you should buy. It's, it's difficult to know. And if, if someone doesn't know, I always tell them, well, just stay in. As long as you're in for the long haul, just stay in. But you, there are things you can do. We have a program called Active 401k, and it's a program that decides what to do with your particular portfolio based on your risk and not your risk tolerance and what uh, mutual funds or assets you get to pick from. It will do it for you. Go to investtalk.com and look at Active 401k program. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is uh, Jeff calling from Iowa. And, uh, I have a question about HSA accounts and possibly using them as a savings vehicle for retirement. Currently, I'm about 15 years away from retirement. I have an HSA 
plan with my insurance at work, and I was thinking maybe putting a little away to an extra away to an HSA to hold back for retirement purposes with the triple taxation benefits and knowing that on average $500 per month will be used for health care expenses in retirement. And I know that we can use the HSA for to pay for premiums of Part B Medicare as well, but I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what you would think about saving into an HSA for retirement instead of a, a regular IRA. Thank you. Well, I don't think it should substitute for an IRA uh, or a Roth IRA, but I do think it's a good idea. Um, HSA Health Savings Account, everybody, you can use them. You know, the, whatever you put in a HSA is like an IRA is tax deductible. But you, the money in there has to be used for medical purposes, okay? And as he, as, uh, as he just mentioned, in retirement, you can use part of the Part B uh, premium and and your Medicare out using out of your HSA, so there's a good that's a good idea, and we all know that health costs as you get older and older and older just goes up. So you will be able to use your HSA assets, you know, to help pay those off. Meanwhile, whatever you put in there, it's tax deductible, so it's a good thing. I just don't think it should substitute for your regular savings IRA, Roth IRA, but. Having one and putting money in it is good. You can invest it any way you want to, everybody. I mean, you, you, you have, you have, it's like an IRA as far as being able to invest it. Okay? So, HSAs, you take a look at them. 888-99-CHART. Um, Iger offers new details on Disney's uh, Disney's digital plans. Walt Disney. Walt Disney Company. They are dividing their company into three basic categories. Um, the streaming live uh, Disney Plus, they're going to call that Disney Plus. Um, and uh, then, of course, their theme parks and then their, their traditional studio and entertainment division. So three parts. Okay, the Disney Plus is trying to compete with, like, Netflix. And because they're coming out with Disney Plus, Disney is not going to offer... Um, Disney, uh, Disney, Disney Entertainment of any kind on the Netflix channel, so that'll cause a loss. Of, oh, Disney moves shows uh, um, uh, will cause a loss of 150 million a year. For uh, so, this is what they're going. This is where they're going to go. Um, remember, they bought uh, bought uh, 21st Century Fox. Oh, a year or so ago for $71 billion. And that all that stuff, the movies they make, they're going to decide whether it's going to go on this Disney Plus channel or not, you know, or just go into the traditional distribution. What is this going to do? This, it, this, is, this is the, I think there's the future, this digital, um, digital entertainment in which you, the consumer, can pick what you want. You know, it's going to be. That's. I think that's the future. You're not going to. You're not going to be tied to the cable, or the satellite dish as far as getting your entertainment. You can do good. Do you can buy different things, and build your own. You know, list of things you want to watch. So I think that's where it's going to go. I think it's going to get. I mean, five years ago, no one was even thinking about this, but the success of Netflix has driven them to it. They're not. They can't avoid it anymore. 
888-99 chart. Let's go talk to BJ in San Jose. How you doing, BJ? Good, good. Steve, can you hear me? Sure. Yes. Go ahead. You want to talk about HSAs? Yeah. yeah thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yes. I have a couple of comments. Actually, it's uh, you know I did some research and uh, I have that account. It's actually a lot better than uh, you know your traditional IRA also because you one is. Um, you know, it's all tax-free if you use for medical expenses, and most of the people have enough medical expenses anyway. But then, if suppose right. somebody has more money, and then they take it out after 65, all they have they can do it for any reason. All they have to pay is income tax. You know, which is like your 401k or you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, right. IRA, right? So then, the so, other thing I yeah, found you out is it. you can use it as an emergency account because if you have uh, as long as you have your receipts, you can, if you need mm-hmm. money from there, you can submit the receipts and, and uh, you know, get the money. So it's like almost like an emergency account. Okay. Well, I appreciate the comments. It's very interesting, Edgar. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I mean, uh, BJ, thank you very much. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego. I want to talk about Philip Morris. How are you doing? How are you doing, uh, Edgar? I'm great. How are you doing? If I'm, uh, is the PM Philip Morris International is separate entity from uh, Philip Morris, which is it has that they have a different uh, symbol M O. Yes, they separated about five or ten years ago into two uh, divisions. One's called Altria now, and this one's called Philip Morris. They used to be one company, Philip Morris, uh, but they they separated. So, uh, from and what they really separated was domestic business from international business. You know, that's basically what they did. Okay, and now my my uh, question is uh, about uh, PM. I was uh-huh. thinking about it because mainly because their dividend looks pretty interesting to me. Yes. Yes, it is a big dividend at 6%, and they've been able to maintain that dividend forever, and it looks like they are still going to be able to maintain it. Um, they have $5.28 cash flow and $5.29 earnings profits for next year. That's the estimate. They pay a 6% dividend, and that 6% dividend comes up to about $4 and $4.50. So... Yeah, they, they can pay the dividend. They've been that's they know that is their main attractiveness to their stock. So they're not gonna do without the dividend if they can help it. So uh yeah, if you're gonna buy it, you buy it for the dividend and it's a pretty good dividend at this rate, at this point. Pretty good pretty good dividend yield. So yeah, I I like it. We own Philip Morris uh is PM symbol and Altria is M O. And those are the two tobacco. They're the two companies that split. Appreciate it. Thank you, Edgar. This is the best talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. The year seems to be moving as fast as the market is moving. And we're already into what? This February 6th? Wow. Anyway, so onward we're going. 888 99 chart is our number. You are listening to Invest Talk. Have you visited investtalkacademy.com? You should. It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. 
Learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, I guess this is the day for retirement accounts. Uh, and so Eric from San, San Mateo is calling about a Roth IRA. How you doing, Eric? Great. Can you hear me, Steve? Can you hear me, Steve? Yes, I can. All right. Um, so this is mainly this is, uh, for my cousin in his situation. So he's a stay-at-home dad. His wife works. Um, he wasn't sure if he could contribute to a Roth IRA or if there's a limit on a joint uh, income, or if you're limited that way. Okay, the answer is generally yes. He can uh, he can contribute to a Roth IRA. That's the general answer. There are limits. Um, there are limits of income for regular IRAs. Then, if you make too much money, you can't do a regular IRA. And to be honest, I don't know for sure if there applies to a Roth IRA. Because remember, Roth IRA you're being taxed on, you know, at, at the get-go. So the amount of money you make that year, they're still paying taxes on that money in a Roth IRA. I'm going to have to look that up. But I don't it, know it, the answer to that, Eric. Okay. Is, is it the amount that they make or that he makes? No, it's a they file jointly. It's how they, how much money they make. Got it. Okay, it's husband and wife, right? Yeah. So yeah, if it's a joint account, if they make you know was it two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, then they can't contribute to an IRA. You know, there's that kind of rules. Uh, I, I'm not an accountant, so this is not my area of expertise. But I should find that out because I, I that's an interesting question, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. 888-99-CHART, everybody. 888-992-4278. So Tesla reduced the price of their Model 3 for the second time this year. Remember, we're only into February 6th. For the second time, their model, the Model 3 sedan uh, reduced it because they're losing tax credits because they're starting to make too many cars and you know the tax credits were designed to help start a car company and stuff. So they're losing those tax cut credits. Remember the goal, and he's and Musk has tweeted and stated many, many times. The goal is to get the Model Three down to thirty thousand dollars per car, and he's having a hard time getting down there, especially with the tax credits fall off. Now, according to him, the Model Three with mid-range batteries are thirty-four thousand eight hundred fifty dollars, not thirty thousand, but thirty-four thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. But it's not quite true. Okay, okay. Because the car really goes for $42,900, and he is subtracting, even today, the, the potential incentive, incentive that still exists at $3,750 and the gas savings of $4,300. So he's subtracting those two numbers from $42,900 to get it to $34,000. Huh? What? So it's not $34,000. He's calculating the gas savings over six years and deducting it from your car price. And say, see, I'm wondering if he built back in the cost into, of the electricity to keep the batteries powered. I don't know. I didn't mention that. But this is a good example. 
of people fiddling around with statistics. You know, they, you know, you can lie with the statistics more so they can lie with just the, you can lie with the facts. And he's given facts. I'm not disputing, I'm disputing his facts. But you go try to buy the car for $35,000, right, the $34,000, whatever, and you won't be able to do it. You have to buy a $41,000 and something car. And that's for a mid-range battery. You know how much a Model 3 costs if you want all the bells and whistles? More than $60,000. I don't know how many of you are the everyday man that this car is designed for that can afford that. Not too many. Not too many. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. I'm Steve Peasley, everybody, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Another in a series going back to what, 1999? That's when I started doing this. And I thank you for your loyal support. Really, I do. It wouldn't be here that long if it wasn't for you. Have a nice evening, everybody, and I'll be back tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.